in a few moments we'll open up the word of God and open up our hearts and allow God to speak to us through his word allow his spirit to join with our spirit I often sit in a place like this before taking a platform like this and in those moments I'm thinking about my notes in my head and the thoughts I want to share this morning I just worship it's so good God's so good and he speaks through all of that and I heard two voices in this last song here is all my love no conditions that wasn't my voice to God that was God's voice to me and then my voice came out I shall receive it no resistance what is it when you pull me close yes when you pull me close that's my voice back to God when you pull me close I won't resist it when you do that you've returned to your first love would you bow with me Father in these moments may you help us recognize how much you love us and Father when you break down within us anything anything that's keeping us from letting you love us. I trust this to you, for you're the one who's truly trustworthy. And I do it in the powerful name of a powerful Savior, in the, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Thank you for the worship. God is good. And all the time, God is good. that is so so very true. I, uh, it is a it is a privilege to be here this morning. And, um, Kyle, uh, as he said earlier, he I, I remember when he invited me to called me sometime back in January. I think it was Kyle, and said so let's go, let's have lunch. So we had lunch. He said, Hey, I'm thinking about this. God's stirring me, and and it's just on my heart to have this series about returning to your first love. And, and, and what I'd like to do it is with, is with a number of different speakers over the course of this series as we head into Easter. And, uh, and, and, and then he said this, they'll be both young and old. <laughs> and, and then I saw the list of who's speaking. I can't figure out who the old one is. <laughs> and so it's probably just poor advertising when you said that to me. I want you to know what a privilege it is to, to be in this place, and uh, uh, as often when I, when I do have the opportunity to be here, I'm under the, uh, Kyle's word from, from God, and that's always a powerful thing, and uh, it's a privilege, and a, it's just a privilege, it's an honor to be before you and open up the word, and God's word for what he has for us, and, and I just love this whole, from the minute Kyle mentioned that, I, I just love that whole concept of returning to our first love, and and, and, and you know this, because if you listened last week, uh, then, then you know that, that it's based on, on the, book of the, the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ to his apostle John. And he starts, Jesus starts his revelation of himself out by, by speaking clearly to, to seven of his churches that were, in, that were in the area we now call Turkey. And they were in Asia Minor, and, and one of them was, the first letter went to, went to the church that was in Ephesus. And, and so as Jesus spoke to them, he, he gave them high praise for all the things that they were doing. 
But he had a challenge for them because it was challenging to his heart. And he knew that if this was not corrected, they would not prevail. And he said, it's this. As much as you're doing, you're doing it without your first love. You've left your first love. And then around verse 5 of the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, he says this, return, repent, and return to your first love and do the deeds that you did then. I want to unpack that a little bit this morning so that we understand the importance of not just the deeds, but what's behind the deeds. Over the course of the next, in the next five weeks or so, you'll hear how to best express your first love and to do the deeds. I want to lay the foundation for that of what will make the deeds meaningful to a living God as opposed to just doing the deeds. Because we can do the deeds and still not connect with the, the Christ who calls us to it if we don't catch the foundational piece. A foundational piece is not hard. If you, if you doze off in the next few minutes, let me say it clearly now. It's letting God love you. Because if you do it with that, you're just doing it. Jesus spoke, speaks later about, about some folks who had been doing various things in his name. And in that day of judgment, he says, depart from me for I never knew you. It wasn't because he didn't know them. It was because they didn't let Jesus know them fully. And, and it's because they didn't let Jesus love them fully. Are you with me? So how do we do that? That's what, and why is that so important? Because it is. Because, because we often think our love starts with us, and our love never started with us. Our love started with God. It started before us. I, I often think back to when I was, uh, you don't even call it this now, junior high. We don't have junior highs anymore, do we? We have middles. See, I was born back in the 1900s, and we've, a lot of, you know, language has changed since then. I, I went to school in Holland, and, and back then, when I was in elementary school, I went to Morgandale Elementary School, which we really, it really was, that was the high-class elementary school, not because of money, but because of smarts. That's, I'm just saying. <laughs> and uh, so, so and, but then, when I, when, I, when I left elementary school at the age of uh, 16, <laughs> no, I, no, I was on track, pretty much, and... Uh, but I went to junior high school. But here's the thing. Howland had like five elementary schools and only one junior high school. So all of us who went to junior high school, we came from different places. And, and so I, I didn't, I, most of the kids I didn't know. And so, and this is at the same time, I don't know if it's like this for middle school students today, it's the same time I recognized there were more than just boys in my class. There were girls. And I, I thought that was pretty neat. And, uh, uh, but you know, if, you're, if all of a sudden you're surrounded with those kind of thoughts and then you don't know folks, it, it makes life difficult. And, and yet, one day, I'll never forget, a, a fellow came to me, a friend of mine, and he passed me a note. I don't know if he passed notes anymore. But he passed me a note and says, Trudy likes you. Do you like her? And I'm thinking, who's Trudy? <laughs> it didn't much matter at that point. I knew I liked her. <laughs> And, 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 and sure enough, I, I, reckon, I found out who Trudy was, and absolutely, I liked her. But, but you know what? It was because I knew first that she loved me. It's not so indifferent with your and my relationship with the living God. The Bible says this, in fact, in 1 John, the, the fourth chapter, in the 19th verse, it says this. We love 
because God first loved us. My friends, it is not simply semantics when I say that. It's not a play on words. It is about understanding your foundational purpose in life. If you ask folks, you know, what's your purpose in life? They can give you a lot of answers. To love my family, to care for this, to, to do this. If, they're, if, they're, if they've been hanging around church for a while, they'll say this. My purpose in life is to, is, is to live to give glory to God. I get that. It's, it's a biblical response, but it's not, it's not the full truth of the response. Your purpose in life is to let God love you. Listen to this. It comes from the book of Ephesians, the first chapter. This, this, this is what was written to the church at Ephesus prior to, prior to what Jesus said about the church at Ephesus. This is, this is what Paul said to them. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. You know, we do not, you and I don't just exist, you know, I exist at the pleasure of God. I mean, I mean that, that's, that's true. We exist literally at the pleasure of God. But we exist for the pleasure of God. That's the fullness of the truth. You bring God pleasure. I bring God pleasure. We have done that since before we were born. We, we existed for the pleasure of God. The foundational purpose of your life is to let God do what God does to love you. Let God love you. Listen, it, it is not, the foundational purpose of your life is not to serve God, not to, not to obey God, not to do something good for God. That all comes, it does, but it comes out of a heart that has let God love them. So let God love you. Don't hold it back. That's the foundational purpose of your life, not to learn, not to listen, not to pray, not to give. Listen, you will do all those things if you truly let God love you. Listen to what, what Jude wrote. Jude is, if, if you, I don't know if you ever get around, you know, other church folk, and you, you, you want them to know how, well, how good you are at being church. <laughs> and so, you know, talk about your devotional time this morning. Hey, my devotional time this morning, I read a whole book in the New Testament. You can do that too. Go to Jude. It's 25 verses. And just, just hope they don't ask you what book it was that you read. But in Jude, in the, the, this, is, this is Jude was the half-brother of Christ. And he, and he says this. This letter is from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who, call in the li- call, who are called to live in the love of God the Father and in the care of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? That you're called to live in the love of God the Father. To let God love you. You see, your relationship with God is not about a role. It's not about responsibilities. It's not about rules. It's not about, it's not about regulations. It, it's, it, it's not about rituals. Your relationship with God is as a child of God, a daughter of God, a son of God. To live in the love of God the Father, as, as, as he said to the church in Ephesus, to to be part of his own family, adopted in. The same John who revealed the revelation that Jesus had given to him 
wrote this in what we know as 1 John, the third chapter, the first verse. He said, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. That's what he says. He calls us his children. Listen to me. I think one of the most amazing pieces of truth is this, that the very creator of the universe, this, this this God who made everything, controls everything, has everything, this God wanted to have a family. And he wanted you to be in it. He wanted you to be in it, and you to be in it, and you to be in it, and me to be in it. That's, that's God's desire. Why, why, why would a God who is everything and has everything do this? Because it's love. And God's love is extravagant. It's lavish. It is beyond anything we can comprehend. Listen, there are times... There are times when God loving me makes good sense. <laughs> I just got to tell you. I mean, there are days that I just wake up and I just know I'm going to have a good day. And I'm going to have a good day in Jesus. Amen? I mean, I get up. I'm going I'm to spend some time in the Word. I'm going to let God speak to me through that. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to interact with people. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love others that come into my path. I'm going to give extraordinarily when I have opportunity to do that. I mean, I'm just, I'm going to have a good day. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to be nice to everyone, no matter what they say. Run into someone. I can run into a Pittsburgh Steelers fan on a day like this. Let me tell you something. And I am nice to them. I really am. I mean, how can God not like me on a day like that? You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm, I'm just telling you. Most of my days, I'm not that good. God loves me on my on my good day. God loves me on my bad day. God doesn't love me any less on my bad days than he loved me on my good days. You know this. You've heard this. It's true. God loves you. He'll never love you any more than he loves you right now, and he'll never love you any less than he loves you right now. It's never a question of how much God loves you. It's a question of how much you let God love you. It's a question if you understand or begin to understand the fullness of what it means to let God love you, the fullness of what it means to encounter this love of God that we speak of, this love of God that he's asking us to return to. Back again to the church at Ephesus, Paul wrote this before Jesus had to tell them they lost their last love. Paul wrote this to them. And it's in the third chapter in the 18th verse, he says this. He said, may you have, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep. This could be a, a, a worship song at some point in there. I don't know if you caught that or not. Isn't it amazing how they, how they do that? It just happens. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. And it is. How wide? How wide is God's love? I'll tell you this. It's wide enough to be everywhere. 
No matter where you go, you can't outrun God's love. No matter where you go, you can't end up a place that God's love hasn't gotten there yet. You can head to the east, and you can go all the way around until you've come back to the west, or you can head west, come to the east. It doesn't matter. You can, you, God's love is everywhere. You cannot, you cannot hide from it. There's no, place, there's no place you can be where God is not. It, listen, you can be in the middle of a crowd and feel all alone. Has that ever happened? You can feel like there's no one who connects with you or you can connect with. No one understands you and you're just all alone. Can I tell you something? You aren't. You are never alone. How wide is God's love? To always be with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, to never abandon you. To always be there. Always someone. Alone, but not alone. You are never alone. How long is God's love? <laughs> I, I, I remember Greg, who was, his dad, his dad said, listen, I'll pay you if you and your friends will build a shed out back. I guess we were teenagers at the time and wanted to use power tools. I don't know what it was, but Greg took it and got friends together to go up to, up to the store. He got the list. We didn't have the internet back then, so I don't know how he found out how we could build a shed. But nonetheless, go to the lumber store. We need, know we need lumber, so we're going to get two-by-fours. So the guy asked Greg, he said, Greg, how, many, you know, how, how long do you want your two-by-fours? <laughs> and Greg says, well, we're building a shed for my dad, so we're going to want him a long time. <laughs> how long? How long is the love of God for you? Long enough to last forever. And that's important, friends, because human love wears out. Human love gets based on, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. If you please me, I'll please you. If this works for you, this works for me. If we're compatible here, we're compatible. But, but all of a sudden, if, if, if you stop pleasing me, or if this doesn't work for you, and it doesn't work for me, and this and that. And so human love wears out because human love keeps score. God's love doesn't keep score. God's love is longer than that. It lasts longer than that. It lasts forever. When I was 18 years old, I, I traveled 10,000 miles around, halfway around the world, ended up on some rivers in Vietnam during that conflict. I, I was not a, a God follower, a Jesus follower at that time. I, I believed there was a God, and I had some reverence for that. But I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't intimately aware of God, and I certainly didn't talk to God on a regular basis. And, and the only way I knew that talking to God was a real thing was I knew people prayed. And so every now and then I had prayed, but not very much, because I didn't feel that I had earned the right to be heard very much. Does that make sense? I really didn't. I'll never forget one night when when Skipper came down to the docks and down to the boat and we found out where we were going the next morning and, and he said, he said, if any of you men are men of prayer, tonight would be the time. And I remember that night that I, I did pray and I just hoped I'd done enough right that God would hear my prayer because I knew I'd done enough wrong that I didn't have much of a right to be heard. Listen to me, that was a poor understanding of a God who loved me. I didn't know it. 
I didn't let him. I found out later that God's love was longer than how good I could be. God's love was for me no matter how bad I had been. And I could pray, and we could talk, and I could trust, and I could let him love me. It took me another 20 years before that really became a reality in my life. But I'll never forget how much I missed, knowing then, knowing now how much I missed then by not knowing the love that God had for me even then. That song was, How Deep the Love of God. How deep, the word says, how deep is God's love? How deep is it? God's love is deep enough to handle anything. God's love is deep enough to handle anything. It's below that. You can never sink so low that God's love is not already there waiting for you. I spent 21 years in urban ministry. I've worked with people who, who've, literally, who've literally hit rock bottom, and they come and say, Lord, Rick, I, 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 I've just hit rock bottom. And every, every, everybody's rock bottom is a different place, but when it happens, it happens to them. I've never met anyone who hit rock bottom, and God wasn't already there. How deep is the love of God? Deep enough to meet you in your your deepest despair. He's waiting. Deep enough to meet you in your deepest grief. He's waiting. That's how deep God's love is. And how high is it? Oh my goodness. God's love is so high. A number of years ago, one of our sons used to uh, used to take us and show us I don't know why he always thought it was important that we would see potential nursing homes for us <laughs> I remember he found one over in New Wilmington it's called the Overlook I mean it sounds like a lovely resort and retreat it's not they <laughs> But they call it the Overlook because and it's sort of hilly country over there. And it overlooks everything. It overlooks New Wilmington. It overlooks all the countryside over there. It overlooks it all. How high is God's love? It's high enough to overlook everything that I've done wrong. It's high enough to overlook all the pain that I've caused. It's high enough to overlook all the time I've lived outside of the boundaries that God set for my life. It's high enough to overlook that for you too. Listen to me. It's not just that God overlooks that, but, but it's that it's overlooked because the penalty for that has already been paid. His son paid the penalty, what you earned and what I earned by living outside the boundaries, Jesus paid. The penalty of being separated from God, Jesus paid on that day we call Good Friday because on that day, the one who knew no sin became sin for us. The one who knew no sin, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were still living outside of God's boundaries, Christ died for us. He was separated from God so that you and I would never have to be separated. And then on that Sunday morning, God said, enough is enough. And the penalty, the price has been paid for, for, your, for your mistakes outside of the boundary, whether intentional or not, for the times that you've violated the rules, the times you've hurt others, the times you've responded poorly. The penalty's been paid so that we never have to be separated from God. Oh, he overlooks them. It didn't come without a cost but he also paid the cost. 
so that he could. That's how deep, that's how wide, that's how long, that's how high. Right this moment, if God could say just one thing to you and hope that it had just a penetrating effect for now and forever, it would be these words, I love you. Because God loves you. And when you know that, it changes everything, doesn't it? When you sense that and feel that, it changes everything. Let me tell you, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is to, to return to your first love. I mean, how, how would your life change if you felt completely and unconditionally loved by God every moment of your life? How does it change in the moments that you do recognize that? It was in 1990 that I first bowed my heart before Jesus and invited him into my life, accepting his forgiveness for all that I had done. And it began to change everything for me. I guess some of that was a a wee bit noticeable in some ways because my pastor at the time, his name was Gary. He was involved in 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 the prison, the jail ministry here in Trumbull County and and, and he would go down to the Trumbull County Jail every Friday morning about 10 o'clock for the chapel service. Now, Gary wasn't the chaplain, but he knew that, you know, that, that they sort of did it together. And so Gary started inviting me to go with him down into the jail. Now, I lived such a life before that, nah, I'm not too crazy about going to the jail. I've avoided it all this long. I'm, I can avoid it a little longer. You know what I'm saying? And so, so that was really not, I mean, that was Gary's thing, wasn't Rick's thing. And uh, that's how I saw it. And so, and, and I, w- I, was ru- I was running a small business at the time. We had, to, we, you know, we, we paid people on a regular basis every Friday. And so every Friday morning, I'd oversee the payroll. I'd, I'd check it all out, make sure it was right. So you got 20-some guys. You don't want to get them mad. But, you know, if you work for anybody, and you know when payday's coming, you want payday to, to take place. And so I always told Gary, oh, I'm busy that morning, busy that morning, can't do it. Finally, one morning, it's a Friday morning, I'm sitting at my desk, and payroll's there, and I'm starting to look at that, and, and the Holy, you ever get nudged by the Holy Spirit, and, and you just know it's the Holy Spirit? I was, I was nudged by the Holy Spirit, and I, and I knew that everything was an excuse that, you know, other people were taking care of this anyways, I'm just checking it over, so I said, okay, I'll set this aside, I'll go down to the jail. I go down, and then immediately I regretted it. Because they put you all, all this rigmarole to get in. Who are you? Oh, yes, we had a list. We said you, they said you might come. This is one of the sheriffs or something inside the cage. I say, hey, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, okay, so we go. And they take me back up into where the chapel is. And it's about a third the size of this room. And they bring me into the chapel. And so I'm sitting there. It's empty. And then the chaplain comes in, thankfully. And so I introduce myself. He says, yes, uh, Gary said you might come. And one, one day, and so I, so I came, so great, and I just, you know, see what they're doing, it's wonderful, and I sit over, took a chair, like, over here, while I was doing, and then, by the way, Gary never showed up this morning, <laughs> what a guy, and when we get to heaven, we'll talk about that, and, uh, but, so I'm sitting in the chair, and then all the, and then the prisoners come in, I don't want to say all the prisoners, I don't know how many were in the jail, but there were 30 or 40 of them in that room, none of them looked too happy, to tell you the truth, and they all dressed the same, they were obviously all on the same team, and, they're not, and it, I was nervous, I, got to, I mean, I was very nervous just to be there, and I'm thinking already, we're not going to be here long, there's no clock, but I wonder what time we're getting out of, you know, this is, I'm just sitting there in my, and then the chaplain gets up, and I'll, I'll never forget what he does, he leads them in a prayer, he leads them in a few songs, and he, and he, and then he says, and, I, and, and we have something special for you this morning. We, we have a gentleman by the name of Rick Oaks who's come to share with you what Jesus is doing in him. 
in that moment, in that moment, I knew why those men were incarcerated, because I too wanted to kill someone. I, that chaplain was number one on my list at that, at that moment in time. So, not being, not, no, not being able to walk out, we were locked in anyways, I walked up behind the podium. I did not have a clue what to say. I did, listen to me. I knew so very little about anything, about, about the Bible. And I knew that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were not a singing group because I knew all the singing groups. But I didn't know anything else. And, and all of a sudden, I remembered something my grandmother had taught me. And I started to sing it. It was a song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. As I began to sing that song, there were others in the room who must have been related to my grandmother too. And they began to sing that song. Do you know the song? Sing it with me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. But he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That's a powerful thing to know. But what really makes it powerful is when it becomes real for you when you let Jesus love you. When you let him in fully into your life. I mean, what happens when you return to your first love? How will you, I, I was talking to someone earlier and I said, how will you know if we're returning to our first love? How, when, how will we know when we have arrived? And here it is. When you return to your first love, you become constantly aware of God's constant love for you. When you return to your first love, you become constantly aware of God's constant love for you. It's never ending. It's, 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 it's lasting. It's deep. It's wide. It's forever. And it's yours. God constantly loves you no matter what you're facing. And, it, and once you begin to constantly live in that, once you begin to really return to your first love, it changes everything. All of a sudden, you no longer feel ashamed. You no longer feel guilty. You no longer feel judged. You feel accepted. Because you're accepted by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're accepted by, by God himself. Paul said this to the church at Rome. He said this, by faith we have been made acceptable to God. And now because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can live at peace with, with God. 
So often we're not at, we're not at peace with other people because, because we don't know how they will accept us. We're afraid we have that disease called, um, you know, uh, FLOPD, fear of letting other people down. And, 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 that's, and, so, and so we're bound by this approval addiction. When we know that we're accepted by God, we don't have to live by that anymore. We know that we're accepted. We, when someone criticizes us, it doesn't bother us because the creator of the universe says you're okay. You're accepted by God. You don't need, hear me clearly, you no longer need the approval of others to be happy when you return to your first love. And you can become bold. When you return to your first love, you're bold with the one who loved you first. You're not, you're not like that young man who thought you only had so many prayers and they had to wait till the times when you really needed them. You can be bold with God for all your needs, for all the needs of others, for all the things you see, for what you want. You can be bold with God and ask him to do things that you wouldn't have thought you could do. But let me tell you, God, he, Jesus said... He, he, he has more than we can ask or imagine that he longs to make real in our lives and through our life. Jesus said this, you can ask anything in my name. You have complete access anytime. Our children know, each of our children, their spouses, our grandchildren, they all know with Borgetta and I, my wife and I, they know that they can call us anytime about anything. Hear me clearly. Anytime about anything. And, and, and they've got the floor, and we care about what it is, and we, and we want to do all we can to be ones to meet the need, if it's a need, to be supportive, if it's supportive, whatever it is in their life, anytime. Listen, you have a heavenly Father who says to you, you can talk to me anytime about anything, and be bold. Don't withhold, and don't hold back, and don't think you have to build up all these other stones before you can come. Be bold before Jesus. He says, you can ask me anything. And when you return to your first love, all of a sudden, you have the love of God and the peace of God in every situation. In every situation, you'll know a peace, the Bible says this, that surpasses all understanding. It'll keep your hearts and mind, Paul said, through Christ Jesus. That's the peace of God you have. In times that the hurt is unexplainable, the grief is so deep, and yet you can have the peace of God. The confusion of the situation is so outlandish, and yet you can have the peace of God. Listen, the only thing that will steal your peace is fear. It really is the truth. Whenever you're not at peace, it's because there's something that you fear. You, and, and you, it, there's only two things that you fear. You fear the things that you can't control, and, and you fear the things that you can't handle. You don't think you can control them. You don't think you can handle them. And so you've got fear. And so you, and so you, you start to worry about it. And, and it just robs you of your peace. But let me say this. There is nothing that God cannot handle. There is nothing that God cannot control. So you can go to God. And you can have the peace of God. When you know that God's got this. Because God's got you. Somebody say amen. You don't have to live that way. God doesn't exempt you from, from, from pain and dumb decisions, but you have this promise that even in the midst of that, God is going to work everything for good for those who, for those who love him and called according to his purpose. His purpose was that you, would, that you would give him pleasure and that you would let him love you. He, he'll work that because God 
God has unlimited power and unlimited love. You have no idea how many times your heavenly father has wanted to just wrap his arms around you and comfort you and give you peace. Oh, friends, let him love you. You know, the Bible says this. The Bible says, perfect love drives out fear. And we've been talking about God's love. We've been talking about our love. And when we read that verse, perfect love drives out fear. We often think, well, that's true, but my love isn't perfect. And that's true. But it's not about your love. It's about God's love. And so let God love you with his love. And it will drive out the fear in your life. Do you understand? Because when you return to your first love, one thing that leaves is worry. And when it's replaced with worship, it really does. You see, worship is just a response. It's a response to God's love. What did Jesus say? He said, he said repent and return to me. All of a sudden, that becomes worship, doesn't it? Because now we're returning, it's, we're, we're, we're responding to God's love. In 1 John 4, 19, I'll say it again. We love because God loved us first. And so, but here's the thing. You cannot worry and worship at the same time. You, can, you cannot worry and worship at the same time. And so you, you worry, but you worry. It's not because you don't love God enough. Let me be clear about that. When someone's worrying, I never think, oh, they just don't love God enough. But there is an element where they have forgotten how much God loves them. And however big that element is determines the size of your worry. So let worry be a, a trigger. When you start to worry, and we all start to worry, remember that God loves you if you'll let him. And you can worship. And worship the goodness, the power, the never-endingness of God's love in your life. Jesus said this to Matthew, He's in the, recorded by Matthew. He said, do not worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these things you worry about will be added unto you. You see what Jesus is saying? Worry about nothing, pray about everything. And more than that, trust God in the midst of it. Let him love you as he longs to. Worry is, uh, my words, and they're probably not good words, but, but worry is like practical atheism. Practical atheism says this, I believe in God, but I don't believe God. Oh, I believe some of it, but not all of it. Because in these moments, I don't believe God is good enough. I don't believe God loves enough. I don't believe God cares enough. But God tells you he is enough. And he does love enough. So let me say this clearly. If what you believe determines what you do, then what you do will define what you believe. Can I say that again? I, okay, one, one head nod. That's good enough for me. If what you believe determines what you do, then what you do defines what you believe. When you catch yourself worrying, remind yourself what's that, that's revealing. And that's not what you want to believe. You want to believe that God is big enough for this, that God does have this, and that God, God does have you. So when you're tempted to worry, start to worship. When you return to your first love, 
that happens innately. So how do you return to your first love? There'll be those who follow me during this series that will help you understand that well. But let me give you the foundation one more time. You let God love you. What did Jesus say? Repent and do the things you did at first. Do the deeds you did at first. All those deeds are based upon the love of God that's in you, flowing from you. When you first recognize, think about this. Think about the time when you first recognized how much Jesus loved you, loves you. What was the first thing you did? Before you prayed, before you opened your mouth and said, Lord, I receive you as Savior, Be- before you served anyone, before you, before you gave yourself to Jesus or to, or to anything else, in that moment when you received Jesus, the first thing you did, when that moment when you understood how much Jesus loved you, that he would die in your place and, give, and, and then give you power and authority and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that he would do all of those things for you. In that moment when you knew how much Jesus loved you, what did you do you let Jesus love you and out of that flowed your response and out of that flows your deeds out of that flows everything else that is how you return to your first love just let Jesus love you now let me say it clearly let Jesus love all of you not just all of you here but all of you all of yourself In this passage of scripture that Kyle has taken us to and in the book of the Revelation and as Jesus opens up his, the revelation of who he is, he writes a letter to the church at Ephesus and then he writes it to six other churches, to the seven, to the seven churches he writes this letter. The last letter he writes was to the church at Laodicea and, it's, and, and, it's, and it, you're going to love this because it ends much the way it started. Remember, it started in the first letter to the church at Ephesus. He said, repent and return to your first love. And now at the church of Laodicea, he says this. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, oh, and they will open up the door and let me in. Let Jesus love you. Let Jesus in. And when he comes in through the front door of your house, you'll gladly show him around, won't you? You'll take him to the living room and to the dining room and to the kitchen where we provide for ourselves and provide for others. Jesus, you're welcome into my house, into my life, into all of my life. I'll show you the living room, the family room, the bedrooms. Jesus, you're welcome here. But yeah, there's, if you go down that hall, there's a door on the left. We keep it closed and I keep it locked. It's called our junk closet, you know. It's the stuff that things are out of order, and I just don't want you to see that, Jesus. My friends, let Jesus love you. Let Jesus love all of you. He already knew what was in your house, and he knew what was down the hall, and he knew what was behind the door. All he wants is to love you. Open the door and let him in. Return to your first love. Let Jesus love you. Amen. Amen. Would you bow with me? Almighty God, in these moments we've thought about what it means, what it could mean, what it shall mean.
what you long for it to mean if we return to our first love. Father, I thank you that you make it so possible. I thank you, God, that we can continually know your, continu- your continual love, that we can live life having returned to our first love, to you, and that you can live in us, you can live through us, you can change lives around us because you loved us first. You loved us yet, and we love because of that. Love us in the fullness and allow us, allow us to receive your love in the fullness. For we pray it in the name of the one who loved us first and loves us yet. In the name of the one whom you call son and we call savior. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Here at Regen, we have response time because we want to be wise builders. We want to be people who um, build our lives on the rock by being transformed by the word of God and by living it out. And so we're going to take a moment here just to reflect and listen to the Father's voice, what he's speaking over us. But I just keep thinking, if the Father's invitation is for us to let him love us, what is keeping us from that? And is that, as Rick said, fear? Is it grief? Is it shame? Is it guilt? And so um, uh, Kyle and I and the Brits and the Bannings will be in the back um, after communion. If you need prayer, if there's something going on, either maybe physically that you need healing for or maybe something that was sparked today by the message, or maybe you just want to experience God's love for the first time because you don't feel like you have, we would love to pray with you. Um, So let's just take a moment of silence and um, ask the Father just to, to speak to us about what he wants to invite us to today. Father, I confess that for myself, it's easy to not live into that love because I'm so busy doing things for you. Um, It's easy to be so busy living into kingdom that I don't attend to covenant for myself. And Father, I pray over these brothers and sisters um, that if it is that fear, if there's guilt or shame, um, if they've just not experienced your love before, that today your voice would speak over them, just your never-ending, unstoppable love for them. Father, I pray that anything that's standing between them and you, if that's a device of the enemy, if it's their own choices, that you would help them to know just the powerful love that you have for them and how it breaks all those things down. And that maybe for the first time today, they would experience your love like they never have before and that they would be transformed by it, not just for today, but for eternity. So we ask these things in your name. Amen.